This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader. This is Limit Up, where we talk to traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. I'm joined here with Dan Hodgman, one of our performance coaches. Dan, very nice having you back here in the broadcast booth. Eddie, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Today, we're talking with Anthony Credelli, futures trader and the host of the Futures Radio Show. Anthony got his start trading in the pits, but that didn't go so well. Uh, he made an early transition to the screen, but that wasn't much more successful. Uh, a lot of traders are also going through the same thing. Now, he blew up a few accounts before he was able to add consistency to his performance. Eddie, you nailed it right there. Hmm. Consistency is key. I think we talk about it a lot. Oh, so yeah. many uh, so many young traders come into this and they think they're going to be the next Paul Tudor Jones from the get-go. Um, takes a lot more than that. Takes a lot more effort. Right. A lot of training. Right. A lot of education. Uh, time outside of the markets to really educate, educate ourselves to become successful in this. A lot of people buy or sell. Come on. It's either or, but. You know that, and I know that, and a lot of people out there, it's not just that. Exactly. We can start with it. It's that easy. We got a lot of work to get There's back. There's a lot of work. Get back to going, okay, it is as simple as buying and selling, but we got to do the big got to do the big circle to get there. You got it. Lots of work. But anyway, um, all right, Dan, uh, let's get started. Here is my conversation with trader Anthony Crudelli. We've got Anthony Crudelli, Futures Radio Show host, a member at the CME, trader, and uh, like to say, Anthony, very nice to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Now, Anthony, getting onto the trading floor, your journey started a very long time ago. We all started at the bottom, running, and then uh, you know, pit clerks, trade checkers, and then we had the, the opportunity. Who gave you the opportunity, and who introduced you to, hey, you know what? Why don't you try trading for yourself? Well, there was a locals in the S&P 500 pit. It was uh, I worked for a handful of them, Louis Lauder, Vince D'Agostino, David Morton, Ryan Fleming. Uh, and those were the guys that I worked for on a day-to-day -day basis. And they were, they didn't fund me at the time, although I did have to borrow money from them, but I, those are the guys that gave me the opportunity to say, to learn how to trade from them and to say, look at, you know, you could still work for us a little bit part-time if you need to. My brother was actually my backup clerk at the time. Uh, so he was checking trades for other other traders as well and helping me out. So I was able to kind of get into the trading side with the supporting cast of traders that uh, that were all successful and give me the opportunity to, to learn and earn uh, while I was doing it. Yeah, Anthony, um, coming into the trading floor, starting on the trading floor, you know, I, I read your bio and I noticed that, you know, we all think that we're going to be rich. This is, this is so easy, you know, but we all went through a, uh, very big learning process, a, uh, very financially cost efficient learning process. Uh, if you can't explain it and let me know how you proceeded and was it easy for you or was there some speed bumps or was there some walls that you could, couldn't get through? Still speed bumps, Eddie. 
Um, but you know, at the beginning, a uh, uh, very, very difficult for my own $25,000. It was every penny I had. And I remember telling my parents I was going to do this and they were like, <laughs> buy a condo. What are you doing? You're going to buy, uh, you're going to start trading futures. Right. And, um, and I said for six months I traded in the pit and that six months I basically blew out my account. I maybe had a little bit of money left. I remember I had my seat lease coming up and that's when I started to, to move over to the electronic side because I basically admitted that I was not going to be successful as a pitch trader. The costs were so high. Nobody was trading with me. Uh, I was just a poor trader. I also went into it, I think, with absolutely the wrong attitude. I went into it thinking I was going to be rich because everybody I worked for was making great money. And, you know, I I had gone through that $25,000 and then I had to go to one of those traders I mentioned, Louis Lauder. Uh, and, and I went to him and he was the most successful trader that I had worked for. And I asked him for $25,000 to be able to go back to trading. <laughs> um, and he was like, okay, I'll give it to you. Um, and I told him I was going to be trading electronically. And he just looked at me like, why? <laughs> you know, they're all making millions trading in the pit. And I was trying to go electronically. And like I said, really, it was because, number one, I, I felt I can control my risk better on the screen. In the pit, I would get hit on, on trades. And then when I tried to get out, sometimes I couldn't get out. And I just couldn't afford it. And with the mini, I was able to trade smaller, control my risk, and put stops in, just make more calculated decisions as opposed to weighing on the pit to be able to get in and out. It was very tough for me. Right. Uh, probably another year or so went by, I went through another $25,000. Right. This time, I didn't go through it losing money. And like I did the first time, I went through it basically getting expensed out. So then I had to go back to Louie. <laughs> and I'm like, Louie, I'm already into you for twenty five. Uh, can I borrow another 25? And he was, <laughs> I remember going up to him and just hating to have to do it. But I'm like, look at, this is what I'm going to do. And at this moment, I was like, look at, I, I, I've been trading electronically for a year. I was making it. Seat leases were expensive. I was doing whatever I could working to make money to be able to exist. You know, so I was either doing out trades. Uh, I was helping my brother check trades when he wasn't there, whatever I could. And he ended up giving me the, the $25,000. Then I go through that twenty five thousand uh, over a period of time. It was probably just uh, about a year in time as well. Right. Now, obviously, I can't go back to Lou because he's going to rip me a new one. He already knew that I was out. He was out the money, and it was very hard for me to even face him and tell him that I was broke again. So I went to my aunt, the only person I really could go to, and I said, "Look, I need ten thousand bucks." I'm like, you know, look at, I, I, I know it sounds crazy. It's probably the worst investment you're ever going to make, but I actually feel like I've learned how to make money now. Uh, you know, and she, I told her the whole story. I'm like, I'm in debt 50 grand plus my own 25,000. I'm like, I need this 10,000 to stay in the game. She gave it to me. Fortunately, I turned it around. I feel like at that moment, I finally just like, I had a lot of luck because the markets were busy. I was able to start making money right away. I remember just giving her, you know, 200 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever I could to pay that 10,000 off as fast as I could. And within six months, I was able to, to purchase a seat. Uh, and then before you knew it, my career started taking off. Now, l let me ask you, Anthony. Okay. Uh, you mentioned luck. Now, of, of course, luck had a big part of, of being successful there. Uh, you know, a lot of the other guys, when I came into the business, you know, there was a few guys that took me under their wing uh, and, and showed me the ropes and so forth. Now, it, sadly to say that it, it's almost a rite of passage 
to blow a, uh, to blow an account. Okay, uh, to to lose big money, but you know you had the, the passion, you had the goal, uh, you had the dream. Now, um, what did that feel like? Okay, uh, obviously you mentioned uh, the uh, the twenty five, twenty five, twenty that you borrowed. You couldn't uh, you, you couldn't go back to him. You had to give your aunt a call. Um, what was uh, what was the main reason? Uh, that got you back on your feet. What was the uh, the, the vision that you had? Uh, obviously, the passion was there. Um, you know, never say die. This is something that you wanted. But what turned everything around? What was that click? What was that sign? What was that 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 moment where uh, you got a grasp of the markets and uh, you started to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, the first thing was I never envisioned myself doing anything else. It's all I ever wanted to do. So every time I got to the point where I had no money in my account, I looked in the mirror and said, who are you? What are you going to do if this doesn't work out? And I just couldn't get past that this is all I envisioned myself doing. So I basically willed myself through it, struggled with anxiety and just, you know, my early 20s were, you know, a lot of people are partying out having fun. I was not doing that. Um, It was probably the hardest time of my life. And what got me, I would say, to the point where I I turned the corner, we'll call it, it was because my aunt, borrowing from my aunt, I think at that moment prior to that, I was not as defensive as I should have been. And And I thought I was playing defense pretty well, but I, I knew at this moment, I'm like, this is it. Before I guess I kind of felt that there was something behind me that could, you know, possibly if I ran out of money, I could get back in. But this was it. So because that was it. And also, I had gone through going broke so many times. And I remember the last time I went through my 25,000 before I had to borrow the 10, that last $10,000, I was kind of throwing my arms up in the air, just kind of giving up. And just because I think as I got closer to zero on my account, mentally, I felt defeated again. Because I'm like, here we go again. This time, when I had a ten thousand in there, I felt recharged, and I'm like, I'm going to defend this ten thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. when I went in with the mentality of knowing that I was going to lose money on days and accepting it, I was able to manage my risk so much more efficiently, and I just felt so much more disciplined. When once I got down a certain amount or in a day where I didn't feel like I was trading well or or anything that I felt could put me in harm's way. Uh, mentally going into the trading day or in the middle of a trading day, I would just walk away because I, I just felt stronger with my, you know, mentally at that moment. Right. You know, you, you mentioned defeat and, you know, that uh, was something that uh, was very frequent with, with everybody on the trading floor, whether you were trading somebody else's account, um, you know, whether you were a trade checker, a pit clerk, uh, a local uh, order filler. Um, that was part of the process. That was part of the job. Now, talk about mindset. Talk about execution skills. You were surrounded by other locals. You were surrounded by some big players. Do you think the uh, the the big players sort of influenced you, or do you think maybe that sort of threw you off a bit? And when I'm talking about big players, I'm talking about the the, the big successful locals. Well, I learned a lot from them. 
Did it hurt me at the beginning? Yes, because I wanted to park on P1. Those of you that don't know what P1 is, it's <laughs> right. just where the, the, the all was, you know, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Bentleys, Rolls Royces, when mm-hmm. they weren't really common back in, in the 90s. You didn't really see a ton of them, but on P1, there was many of them. So It was a parking um, garage, I, right. Yeah. yeah. So I felt... I felt that I wanted to be there. I felt I belonged there. And I didn't really think about earning my right to being there. I just felt like, okay, this is, I spent my time as a clerk. I'm just going to go in there. And because these guys are making money, I looked at all of them and said, just because they're doing, or because they're doing it, I feel that I should be able to do it. So that, and that aspect that hurt me because my expectations were off, um, how it helped me was watching the best in the business perform. Why did one day, in one trade, one of the top locals in the pit be doing a one lot. And the next day you'd see him bidding on a hundred or offering a hundred lot. And I learned that there was times to be big times to be small and times when not to trade times to press trades, you know, times to walk away. And and I learned the, the game because of them. You know, I watched them, I watched them walk out during slow markets. I watched them step in and trade bigger during busier markets. And I just learned I guess I would say the rhythm of the business from them. So in that aspect, they helped me a lot for when I was getting ready uh, to trade that that I, I had a visual of what success looked like. You know, you mentioned rhythm of trading. Now, that was something that uh, nobody's going to catch right away. All right. Somebody new in the business. It's going to take a little time before they start saying, hey, there's there is a rhythm in this business when this clicked. All right. What did you do when you start when you started to see success? What did you start doing differently? <laughs> well, I, I became a bit neurotic. I, you know, I, I started to basically not change anything I was doing. Wore the same gym shoes. I wore a pair of black gym shoes for as long as I could wear them. Wear them off my feet, and it was funny because I used to watch a lot of other traders in the pit, and I'd be like, "This guy's worth ten million dollars. Like, get a pair of gym shoes," and I'd laugh about it. But I just wouldn't change anything in my routine. Woke up, ate the same things, did the workouts at the same times. I, I tried to stay very consistent with what I was doing at work and outside of work. I, if there's one thing you asked me about that moment, that's exactly what I did. I just tried to remain consistent with my thinking. I would, and I just didn't want anything to veer me off the path. You know, coming in late, I went through my same pattern of preparing. You know, coming in a little bit earlier, same pattern of preparing. I didn't veer off of my process. Yeah, it's one thing too that uh, a lot of traders did was try to, you know, keep the uh, keep the routine the same. Um, uh, and and once they were off routine, you know, superstitious, uh, maybe possibly, but uh, a lot of them would not trade. I knew a lot of locals in the pit. If they came in late, uh, it would be a complete different process. If they were there on time. You know, they would be the, their usual selves. Um, but, you know, being on the trading floor, it, it was a whole different world. Now, you've been giving uh, some good advice and uh, some good storylines on some of us developing, um, being open outcry uh, versus electronic trading. Now, what advice would you have for somebody uh, that uh, who's listening right now? That uh, this might be their last chance. They're they're on their last leg. Maybe they just blew out of an account, but they have the passion. All right, they've got the dream, and like you said, this is something that I wanted, nothing else. Um, 
what's some advice that you'd be able to give them? The market's always there. The market is always there. There's always going to be an opportunity to trade. And I think that people put too much pressure on themselves in the moment to turn things around and they lose sight of that the market is going to be there every day. And the question is whether they will be or not. I, I put so much pressure on myself to perform on a specific day when I was struggling. And that's what caused me to go broke quicker, as opposed to thinking that I had time to figure this out. You know, that's the one thing I look back and said, I wish I would have given myself more time because I was just like, I need to make money today. You know, I look at, I'm going to, I need to make 500 bucks a day or a thousand bucks a day. And I put pressure on myself to perform. And as I started to grow in the business, I realized that that's just not the case. You're going to make money in moments. Wait for markets that fit your personality better. Wait till you find a strategy that fits your personality better. Uh, so to me, it, it really, the number one thing to those that are struggling is to know that there's time. And just because you lose today or maybe you're out of the game today, it doesn't mean you're out of it indefinitely. Search for things that fit your personality in terms of strategies and wait for markets to, to fit into that. Uh, into those strategies. So this way you can know when to take advantage of the markets. If you ask any trader who's had a successful year, how do they make their money in that year? They made it in moments. They knew when to seize the moment, when a market fit their strategy. And then in other times they laid off. So the number one thing for those that are struggling out there, my advice is time. It takes time. Okay. Well said. Now, Anthony, after you uh, uh, you started to see success, after you started putting winning trades together, and after you were able to pay everybody back, uh, buy yourself an IOM uh, at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, what was your journey then? What did it look like? And, and if you can, give us a little detail on uh, um, the success end of uh, trading. Well, I think that sustaining success was even harder than reaching what I would consider success. Con success in trading is different for each person. But for me, it was success was getting the opportunity to be able to make a living at it. I felt that was a success no matter how much money I made. It was enough to pay my bills, and that's all I ever wanted. Um, I felt that sustaining that at a high level, I should say, was even harder. Because I was not prepared for markets to change when I got good at, at, at trading. Because so the one thing I, I will say was that when I started to do really well, and you know I would have tens of make tens of thousands of dollars in a day, um, you you start to get used to that fluctuation of dollar amount, and you start to you know. You're looking to, to sustain that. You, you think it's sustainable. Um, and what I didn't realize was that I was trading extremely well at times where the market was fitting my personality. So I was able to seize those moments. And then when the market got slower, I would press like I would during a busy time when a market was fitting my personality and I'd give back that much or twice as much. And that was the hardest thing for me to get past was like, look, and I put all this work in, I'm here, I'm making money. And now all of a sudden they're changing it on me. <laughs> like, what is this about? 
And that was it really and I think ego is a big part of that because you start making money and you start thinking that you know what you're doing. And, you know, I, I've been put in my place so many times that it's like, you know, I, I look at it and go, yeah, I may know what I'm doing right now and things are working well, but it doesn't mean that tomorrow it's going to work out the same way. So I would say that uh, that humbled me a lot. And it, it also, once again, it started to make me look at the market and say, look, you have to look big picture. If it's not working for you today, there will be a tomorrow. But will you be able to be here? And after blowing out so many times at, at the beginning of my career, I, the, the fear of that happening to me again kept me from doing, making those same mistakes when you got to the top. Right. Now, some of the good things, you know, the ability to do what I wanted, when I wanted, go where I wanted, uh, the success when you make money as an independent trader, man, how sweet it is. There's just nothing better. Uh, it was the best lifestyle, you know, and it, it, to me, there's no other life I would choose to do. I mean, I loved it. It was very competitive, uh, and it, it was, you're the team. It's you against the world, and when you did have that taste of victory, I, I got to agree with you, it wasn't anything better than that. Anthony, let's talk about rules, okay? Let's talk about uh, uh, personal rules, basic rules, technical rules. How important is it to follow rules to get to uh, a plateau of being a successful trader? Well, so I have something to say about rules. Number one, for I don't have trading rules. I have trading instincts. So what I, I did was I, I used to have a set of rules that were on a piece of paper, and I would revert to those rules. And I realized that unless those rules were a part of my instincts, they were not going to help me. They were absolutely useless, especially as a futures trader. There was too many decisions I was making too fast, and I struggled following a set of rules, we'll call it, on the, on, on the mental side of trading. I needed to make them instincts. So I, I took a list of, who knows, 20-plus rules. I don't remember how many I had, and I, and I narrowed it down to a much smaller a list of what I called trading instincts. Now, on the technical side rules are extremely important now that that to me is much more where i have rules uh rules to which uh in order to execute my strategy x has to happen for me to want to do this uh and i need confirmation behind that to be able to trade bigger and if i don't have those confirmations i trade smaller so rules you call them scenarios certain things have to be aligned in order for me to push the button. Uh, and, and that goes into where I am now. I consider myself really like a hybrid type trader. Uh, over the years, I've changed uh, from uh, pure scalper, no charts, to you know scalper with charts, to uh, now I think I'm more systematic with a discretionary execution, meaning that I have a system in place that I know exactly what I'm looking for. And unless that comes into play, I'm not trading. Um, and when that does come into play, I then decide how big or how small I want to execute the trade. Uh, so rules to me on a system basis are extremely important. A lot of open outcry, a lot of pit traders uh, have that had that problem and, and have 
had that problem of moving over to electronic trading. Some have been successful, some have not. And uh, you know, doing different things now in life because that's just not it. Let me let me ask you a question, and then I've got a, just a few more questions here. Let's turn that around. Let's say that uh, you, you've got yourself your electronic trading. Everybody's electronic trading here right now. Would you be able to do open outcry if, if the pit opened up again and they said, Anthony, come on down and uh, we need you for open outcry? What would you say that you would feel more comfortable at? Oh, the screen for sure. I mean, there's just no doubt. I mean, it's not even close. Right. You know, I, I tell you one thing, and you can probably relate to it, is uh, markets would move on us. It's like, what's going on? You'd have to ask your phone clerk who would have to give a call and ask the desk trader, what's going on? You know, sometimes we'd, we'd get Reuters across the board uh, to give us a little information. But to find out the, the fat of the story, uh, we'd have to dig a little, like, what's going on? But he, electronic, it's like everything's in front of you. You know, and, and when you've got a trading room, you know, you've got more than two eyes watching screens, uh, you know, different sites. Uh, you got your trading buddies. You got that. And it, it, it definitely helps. I'm, I'm with you on that. There's a lot more information. Uh, you got your charts. We never really had that. We had a piece of paper with, uh, uh, you know, uh, first line of support, second line of support, first line of resistance, second line of resistance. And if you had that, it was like, all right, cool. I, I feel secure. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have a good day. So big difference. And um, I'll agree with you on that. Now, Anthony, if you can, you traded a lot, all right? You saw the high, the highest highs, the lowest lows. Let me ask you, what was the scariest trade you ever made? Well, I would say the scariest trade I ever made was the best trade I ever made because it, it taught me about myself. Is The first time I did a 50 lot, and it was a loser. It was a one-tick loser. And the reason why I say it was the best trade I ever made because I learned how to get out of a trade I was uncomfortable with. And prior to that, I had maybe only done 20, 25 lot S&P at the most. And it was like I kind of creeped my way into it. Um, and I remember doing the 50 lot and just I was on a roll. I was making money. Everything set up the way I wanted it to. And boom, 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 I get in. And the minute I got in, all of a sudden I just – that that <laughs> that pressure of being in that position at that moment, I reacted the way I should have reacted. I was uncomfortable. I got out. So the it changed the way I started approaching trading bigger. I started to test myself when I was doing well. When I was doing well, I started trading bigger. And I started pushing myself to see what it felt like with bigger positions. And at that moment, once I felt what it was like to have a 50 lot on, I said, I can do this, but I'm going to need to practice at it, and I'm going to do it at the right moments. And all of that I learned from that moment because if I was losing money that day when I did that, I might not have covered, and who knows where I'd be from there. Um, that could have been really costly. So that was the scariest and best trade I've ever made. There you go. Okay, so that uh, scariest and best trade. What was your first trade? My first trade – was a two lot with Elkar in the pit. And Elkar, if you're listening, you think he would have given me the edge to get out of that. He'd make me lose five ticks on it, uh, on a two lot. Thanks, buddy. But um, no, but in all seriousness, I came in and I bought the offer from him and then he was bid and I turned around and sold the bid. I couldn't wait to get out. I did a two by two for five ticks, which I lost 10 ticks, you know, because it was a two lot. Um, and 
you know, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I remember just writing it up on there. It was, you know, and, uh, and I'm just joking with him, but obviously, you know, uh, that was uh, a trade I'll never forget. All right. Now, Anthony, uh, if you can go back in time and tell yourself one thing as you started out, what would that be? Time. Time is everything. Um, there's actually two things I tell myself. Time and know how to lose before you can win. Those are the two things. And know how to lose before you can win, I think, is extremely important because I went into the business only thinking about the winning side. I didn't go into the business with the acceptance of loss. And that cost me time. So I think those two work together is knowing that I'm going in today. I don't have to make money today. If you go into every day and say, I don't have to make money today, I'm just going to do what my strategy tells me to do. And I'm going to follow through with it um, and, and let time take its course and, and build a, a track record of being consistent with my process, accepting my losses and seeing where I'm at after a period of time. That's what I would have done because I feel like I would have shortened my learning curve by a tremendous amount. Right. You know, that's one thing to if, if, if we would have realized how important the question is, how much can I afford to lose today? Instead of saying, how much can I make today? So there's a big difference. If you sort of played, big difference. played that first one, uh, you, you would have, your thought process would be much different. All right. Um, Anthony, how about a favorite toy? Something that you cherish, you love. Can you share that with us? My favorite toy that I bought throughout my career was an ML63 AMG. I'll never forget being able to go into that Mercedes dealer in Chicago and tell him that's the car I want. And I took it. And, um, it, you know, I remember him when they pulled it up. They had, were washing it. It was the car. Uh, those were brand new uh, ML63s at the time. It was the first year they were coming out. And it was one of the first ones in there. And I remember the guy uh, brought it up for me and he asked me, he's like, Anthony, can I ask you what you do for a living? And I told him I was a trader. It was just like a moment that you know, for me, it was like, hey, I was able to do that. I was able to go in there, pick the car, finally the car that I wanted um and be able to just take it so it was ml63 amg triple black <laughs> that is that would that's a great toy that's definitely a great toy all right well anthony i appreciate you being with us but before you go can you share with us where people can find you online follow me on twitter that's where i spend most of my social media time at anthony crudelli uh, and i host a podcast as you know eddie com. So you can go there, and I talk twice a week about futures markets. Awesome. Anthony, fantastic having you here. Anthony, take care, partner. Take care, Eddie. Thanks a lot. Well, well, well. Now, yeah, Danny, that it's incredible how common the story of blowing up an account. How many, how many times have you heard that? <laughs> heard it, you hear it all the time. And you know what? It, it, it's almost part of success. I think it is. Yeah, we have to find ways to to educate ourselves to learn. Um, I think every trader's told me he goes, "You you pay for those lessons. Oh yeah, you don't pay for them twice. 
it takes some time. Maybe there's a few extra lessons in there we got to learn. Yeah. And now, what do you think uh, we can all learn from uh, from Anthony's journey? I think there were a lot of great takeaways out of there. He uh, he touched on quite a bit that uh, I found extremely interesting. Um, one thing he had mentioned when he first started trading, he came into this with the thought that it's get rich quick, like we were just talking about uh, oh, yeah. in the beginning. Um, Back maybe in the eighties and nineties, you know. <laughs> was, but but now, no, no. You have to be patient. Eventually, you'll get to where you want to be a little bit quicker than a lot of jobs out there. But you still got to, like you had mentioned, you still got to, uh, you still got to be a runner before you're, you know, the clerking before you're in there making trades yourself. You got to start from the bottom, and uh, we got to be patient. We start small. We keep it simple from the get go, and over time, we can kind of create a little bit more wealth. We start to grow, create some sustainability, but we have to start with those one lots simple small right trade small at, one trade at a time yeah. small steps before we uh we can start running and, yep. and that's for sure especially in this business because if you start in this business running uh you're going to get knocked down way sooner than uh, you think is possible and uh you know in this business too you, you try to build confidence first off you got to have that passion you mm -hmm. got you got to have the passion you got to have the dream because you're going to get knocked down a lot you're going to get hit hard. Right. And Anthony did it, you know, it um, more than once. And, you know, thank God for his aunt. I mean, right. you know, coming back. And then how would you like to ask somebody, uh, hey, by the way, can I come out another 25 G's? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> not you, an easy question well, to ask. You didn't pay me back the first twenty-five G's. <laughs> I know. I'm, let's make it fifty G's. Let's make it a hundred G's. Oh hell, give me a quarter mil. Um, <laughs> but see, that's just it. It's it. it you know, not uh, not accepting losses would never have gotten Anthony through it. Mm -hmm. And he's seen success. He put up some big numbers, made some good money. And uh, in a very, very nice position right now. Yeah, he said it in the interview. He said, uh, you got to learn to lose. Right. You have to learn to lose because if you can't accept losses in this industry, gosh, you have you got a long road ahead of you. See, now, now I'll be honest and, and, you know, I'm a sore loser. It's, you know, competition. You know, I, I play to win. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how are you like that? You're a oh, Marine. I'm a, mar yep. You're it's a Marine. Yep. It's all about winning. It's all about winning. But what I found for me is I look at it as I can be winning to me is being profitable. So if it's accepting a loss now to be profitable in the long term, I'm looking at it as an entire war instead of just one battle. There you go. I like the way you, I like the way you think. Now, um, he gave some real good visuals on what success looks like his expectations um right at the start uh like you said he started small then he traded big now danny I, what i really liked uh was his advice to young traders and it, it seems very basic but all in all it's it's so very true you've got to wait for that market uh you've got to find the market that fits your personality and uh, most of your money is made in just a few moves now this was uh, there in the pits and is the same today on electronic um and a, a lot of traders coming from the pits to electronic are having a hard time but uh if you just would have taken some of those basic rules from mm -hmm. the open outcry the floor trade to electronic trading now, now some of those rules 
don't work. But there were some basics that yep. some of the traders did take, as Anthony did. Uh, you know, the thing is, you never know when the market's going to strike. Uh, you never know. Uh, when the market's going to be your friend, uh, you never know when the market's just going to rip you apart, but uh, you have to have capital to profit from it when it does. When it does, when the market strikes, when the market's with you, you've got to be ready. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, you made a really good point. What else do you? What else did you get from that uh, that interview, Danny? So one that kind of just stuck out to me as fun and exciting, just reminds me of everything I've heard about the floor in my own experience on the floor. In the beginning, he said, how to get introduced to the floor? He goes, I just was offered a job and I took it without even seeing the floor. Right. I can't, I mean, I got introduced to it by growing up in it. I've been around it my whole life, but so many traders I've met over the years, their introduction to the floor was, well, I needed a job. And someone said, hey, you can come work here and you can just be a runner. And next thing you know, they're successful traders that have been doing it for 30 years. I thought that it cracks me up. I mean, that's how so many guys I know got into this industry. Right. Same here. It's like, you know, you knew this guy or this guy was your neighbor or this one was your uncle or your yeah. your second cousin. And, you know, and, and every it was funny, funny about it because it was like, you know, you go on the floor, you meet somebody new and you'd be like, well, who are you related to? You know, and, and they'd have an answer. The guy over there and then that girl over there. And then uh, these two guys standing over here. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get your job? Well, my dad's buddy knew this guy was looking for exactly. for a runner, right. and I just needed a job. Yeah, I, and I think uh, that's everyone down there. It's a it's a close knit group of uh, group of people, and it's fun, and it's uh, it's like a family. Right. What else you get out of this interview? So one that I really wanted to touch on, which I thought was really important, um, he had mentioned staying in the same routine. He was saying that even if you're running late into, you know, running late to work, his routine didn't change even if he was going to start trading a little bit later. He stuck to that whole plan. And that's something I've always grown up in doing in this industry is sticking to the plan. No matter what, if I'm late, it doesn't matter. Um, Superstitious. <laughs> now, word. Now, you know, the thing is, even me, even my, I mean, I can say, hey, you know, I was very superstitious. I, I did the the same routine. I, you know, um, and then the thing what really threw me out if, if I ever caught the a later train or if I missed my train, everything would be off. Oh yeah, you know. But um, you know, he he stuck to it, and uh, you know, being routine, superstitious, doing the same things. Uh, you don't want to change anything. You don't want to rock the boat. Um, you just want to give thanks, you know, and you have a good day. Yeah, exactly. My dad has a funny story with his um share it would you he, he's got he had a, he started trading on the floor in the 80s he'd been down there for a long time when he was young he wore a pair of khakis to work like every day you had to wear khakis back in the 80s on the floor and uh he wore this white pair of khakis on unemployment had a huge day to the, the unemployment number on the unemployment number yes okay he had a huge day so for his entire trading career 30 years on the floor Every single unemployment, he wore those pants. It was a joke in her family. He's a he likes to be cleaned up and look good. You know, he's mm -hmm. press shirts on the floor every day, except for unemployment. He wore those ratty, nasty khakis. But he was superstitious, and a, you can go from trader to trader all over the place. What's your what's your superstition? What's something you have to do? And ninety nine percent of the traders are gonna go, oh well, 
I had a big day doing this, so I do this every single time. Right. Yeah, you, know, you, you might remember um, a lot of the ties. You, you'd had a special. You'd wear that tie every day, yep. no matter if it was ripped, torn, uh, a thousand meals on it, stains, <laughs> whatever. But um, you know, Anthony doing that routine uh gave him a comfort zone gave him you know and, and and it helps and and sometimes you know here trading electronic too is uh you know by nine o'clock uh i'll have two cups of coffee by by nine thirty. you know make sure i get myself something to eat by 11 o'clock uh i'm doing this by you know and and if you feel comfortable with routine by all means there's nothing wrong with it agreed nothing wrong with it so anything else dan no i think uh those are the main ones i really wanted to touch on i thought it was uh well let me say one thing danny was great having you back back here in the broadcast booth uh talking and uh, listening to what anthony shared with us so i just want to say thanks for joining me my pleasure all right traders as always thanks for spending time with us if you like this interview Check out the others on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Also, it would really help us out if you leave a rating or review. As you can always provide us feedback at LimitUp at TopStepTrader.com. And uh, I'm Eddie Horn. Talk to everybody next time. Take care, Dan. Thanks, Eddie. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.